Hello and welcome to this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Really glad to have you with me. My name is Sheifumi Adebote. COVID-19, or coronavirus as you may want to call it, has impacted our way of life. Things we do, how we do these things, how we relate to people. I mean, everything. And climate change is not an exception. So on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast, I have a guest, someone I respect, a friend and a colleague who've been working together on climate change issues on the international scene over the years. And I'm really excited to know our thoughts about how COVID-19 and climate change, um, what's the nexus, particularly with the response of young people across the world and the lessons, um, how we get to do things differently, even after the COVID-19 situation as we have it today. We'll get into the conversation in a bit, but I just want to say, if you're listening for the first time, welcome and welcome indeed. The Climate Talk podcast is a platform where I have chats and conversations with people talking about climate change and associated issues. And for me, I say it over and over. The aim is to make sure that you, the listener, is able to be inspired to take some practical climate action. I mean, it's not just about these conversations going back and forth. It's also about what you are inspired to do in your own little corner. And I should remind you, no action is too small. I have my co-pilot with me, uh, Jimo Oluwatobishegun, who is handling some of the technicals, and Olumide Ido, who is helping with some of the IT. Thank you indeed, guys, for making this possible again. I'm very excited to have uh, Ita Lakani as my guest on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Ita is currently the um, one of the two focal persons at the UNFCCC Youth Arm, which is Yongo. Um, UNFCCC, for those who do not know, happens to be the United Nations framework for the Convention on Climate Change. So every conversation, action, negotiation that has to do with climate, climate change, climate finance, climate conversations, taxes, carbon emissions, and all all of that is primarily within the framework of the UNFCCC. It is such a privileged position to be in charge of coordinating young people with their restlessness and their creativity and the energy that they bring to climate change conversations around the world. And it's really, really impressive to have Ita Lakani join me on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Did I get that right? Yes, I you would did. pronounce it. Is it Lakani? Yes, Lakani. <laughs> Great. Ita is one of the two focal persons for Yongo, which is the um, youth constituency for the UNFCCC, the United Nations Framework uh, for Climate Change. That's the arm of the United Nations that talks, uh, that focuses on climate change. And uh, because of the very clear importance for young people to be in that conversation, there is Yongo that coordinates all of that process. So I'm really excited to have Ita Lakani, one of the Youth Focal Persons, on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Welcome, Ita. Thank you, Shay. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and I must also say, um, this is the second time I'm having this conversation with Ita. We had tried to do this about two weeks ago and I just messed around it. But I'm really excited that at last we have this up and running. So, Ita, can I meet you? Or would you like to introduce yourself? So, like you said, I am the focal point 
and one of the two focal points for Yango, which is the youth constituency to the UNFCCC. Um, I've been working on the field of environment and climate change for a few years now at uh, the UN level at the UNFCCC within the youth constituency, um, but also back home in Mumbai, India. Um, with different organizations and different uh, networks around the country. So I've, uh, in 2017, when I attended three conference of parties, three UNFCCC COPs, um, I was trying to figure out how do I bring this whole world of the COP, or bring this whole world of the negotiations back to my people in India, to the kids who are vulnerable to climate change, who don't have the knowledge or the capacity to even uh, you know, fathom what they're going to be facing in their future. And that's when I started my own program on climate change education within Namabai City. So yeah, here I am. Thank you for having me once again, Shay. Great. So you've been to three um, conference of parties consecutively. Uh, that's uh, COP22. Yeah, I've been four of them. Yeah, COP24, so four conference of parties. Four conference of parties, wow. So let's start from there. I mean, what exactly is the essence of this conference of parties? For someone who's also listening for the first time and does not understand what a conference of party is. Well, um, it is, so parties in this term, in the in the sense of the UN, it, it means countries or nations. So it's basically a conference where countries come together and they negotiate. So these are the climate change negotiations that take place every year um, under the UNFCCC, which is the United Nations Framework Convention for Climate Change, which is the arm from, of the UN that works on climate change related issues. Negotiations take place um, year after year to negotiate how internationally countries will step up their climate action, will step up the task that they're doing and we'll make sure that we can have a world which is um, or at least work towards making sure that we can have a world which is the which we're proud to pass on to our future generations and a livable habitat for them so that's where it comes up the it, this the last conference of parties took place in madrid which is called cop 25 in spain and uh, here we are talking year after year negotiating climate change and uh, trying to be as inclusive as we can in the process while leaving no one behind so yeah awesome thank you so much now um to the focus of the conversation it's uh covid you turn left you turn right you look front you look at the back and it's covid coronavirus on the news on the papers on the internet everywhere and you see people with their nose masks and their gloves and i also understand that um Yes. You are the executive director for the 11th edition of the World Wilderness Congress, which was postponed, or is it cancelled, because of the COVID situation? That's right. Yeah, we had to postpone it indefinitely. The 11th World Wilderness Congress, also known as Wild 11 in short, um, was scheduled to take place in March this year in India. And uh, I think it was... I mean, it was very last minute on the 1st or on the 2nd of March, so very early in March, we made this decision to sort of not have uh, the Congress because the cases across the world, across Europe at that point, were just rising and India didn't have, um, I mean, India was not big at that point. We barely had maybe, you know, single digit cases. But I think, I think it was the best decision that we could have done at that point because a few weeks later, we saw the number of cases even in India rising up, um, India stopping entry of people are taking away visas because we didn't want 
number of cases to go up. So I think, um, yeah, I mean that that's where we are, and it, it's kind of sad because um, the the entire point of Wild Eleven was to bring people together and to bring about actions on how to bridge the divide between economics, climate change, and biodiversity in our wild world. And clearly, we've seen uh, as COVID has come from the wild, it has come uh, from wildlife. And it's kind of sad that, you know, we were sort of shot down by what we were trying to fight. But I think that's when we realized that this is where the outcomes of Wild Eleven are more important than ever, where we have to go out and we have to speak and we have to take action today because there is no time to wait for tomorrow anymore. Absolutely. And I can imagine this must have been a very difficult um, decision for you to make as well. It's, it must have eats you badly because uh, if you remember last year, uh, July 2019, we were in Abu Dhabi and you had everything in place and just for it to be all, I mean, yeah. shut and just because of this situation, it must have been a very hard decision for you to make. But now it seems the human response to COVID-19 is really, really impressive if you ask me because everyone knows about it. Well, maybe not everyone, but most people know about it from the rural to the urban settings to the interlands, um, across racial divides, across gender divides, even across the internet divides, people without the internet access get to know about COVID-19 and get to know about the precautionary measures to take. But this is not so for climate change, which is equally um, an issue of concern. It may not be as very direct um, as, as um, COVID-19, but you would agree with me that it is equally threatening. It's equally life-threatening. But then, why is it that we haven't been able to give climate change and climate, the need for climate action the, the, uh, the push that it needs for people to take action, especially if you compare it in the case of um, COVID-19 and the response? Yeah, I mean, for, for sure, with with what we're seeing, it is completely an unprecedented sort of action that we've taken to fight COVID and very much needed. Who had even thought about even a few months ago that the entire world would be locked down in their homes trying to fight this virus at, the, at this global scale. And I think that, like you said, you know, everyone now knows about it because everyone's lives are at stake. It is literally a matter of life and death when you look at it. I think that's where we've sort of not realized with the climate crisis that while it does affect everyone that is also a matter of life and death for a lot of people across the globe and especially the most vulnerable and the people who've least contributed to the, to the crisis in the first place um, which is sort of sad because that's the case in most crises uh, like in the COVID it has come from somewhere through to, the, to different parts of the world um, by people traveling and usually the people traveling are some most of the time a little more economically well off than the rest of the people whereas uh, you know the first people to be affected by it are people on the streets people without homes uh, people without a full-time job migrant workers um, so I mean they're not the ones who have who are the cause of the virus but they're the ones suffering the worst because of it and it's exactly the same for climate, for climate change we just need to put two and two together. We just need to realize that 
it's not just an equally important or an equally um, scary crisis it's in fact it's much larger than what we're seeing today if covid-19 has been able to shut us all in our homes when we do realize the impact that climate change or the climate crisis is going to have on our lives it is unprecedented it, we don't even want to try and fathom the amount of loss of life livelihoods economy um life as we see is going to change and i think the more we push it in the hinterground the more we talk about taking action tomorrow or waiting for covid to end before we can act on climate change i think we're just um you know sort of hitting ourselves in the foot over and over again and not realizing what we're going towards so i think the first thing that we need to realize is that this is a crisis that is affect that will and is already affecting everyone's lives it is not going to stop at borders it is not going to stop at an economic uh, class it is not going to stop at a race versus another um the climate crisis is a lot more bigger and is looming right behind us and we just need to wake up and look at it as it is awesome uh, we don't know how long it will last for i mean we're very hopeful like you know life would not be as usual there there's a lot of things that will obviously change because of uh, the lessons we we will take from this um situation but i'll come back to that now i i want to understand i have read reports about how the climate how, how covid-19 the lockdown has greatly impacted um the economy I have seen how in the US for instance there's been over 12 million increase in unemployment rates but I particularly want to know your thoughts you understand like me that the youth advocacy or the role of youth in in environmental response and climate change is also a huge market but now that we are threatened with this covid situation there is little that we can do how do you think young people can continue to drive the conversation about the need for climate change even with the lockdown i mean in what practical ways can they do get to do that i think that's that's a great question she and i think young people are are innovating every single day and in today's time we have the internet and young people are connected on social media or via email via all kinds of platforms on the internet um connected to their friends connected to their colleagues some some of them working from home some of them um innovating doing things doing different things uh, creating more digital content and i think that's what we have to realize that young people have already stepped up for covid and similarly we can also do the same for the for climate action while we're all stuck at home and while we're all um safe within our four walls that doesn't mean we don't we, we don't raise our voices for climate action because clearly we don't have the time to wait for covid and then begin work on climate change it has to be done already yesterday if not so we we need to realize that and as you've seen a lot of things are moving digital there are schools and universities who are taking classes digitally now um people are now doing climate strikes online the young people that were on the streets striking every friday are now striking from their homes every day so the the, the shift to digital uh, climate movements is actually quite quick and is really really picking up day by day and we might actually this is the first time that we might see an earth day where entirely um, almost all the action will be digital because it's 
it's not recommended for people to get out of their houses and do anything with people or out in the streets. Um, so I think that is already a step in the right direction where young people, despite of what hardships they're facing, despite of what challenges the COVID situation is giving them, we're still out there, out on the internet, talking about what actually matters in today's time and what should be taken importance, what, what we need to pay importance to are global crises. And like the COVID, again, the climate crisis is right. I mean, it, it is the biggest crisis that we should be looking at now other than the COVID crisis. So I think we're, we're definitely taking the step in the right direction. We just need to ramp it up and make sure that our enthusiasm does not uh, go low and that we continue doing what we're doing with an even stronger passion for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's very instructive, very um, direct too. Uh, one other thing that I have seen, um, there's this report by the European Union that shows how because the, the streets are empty and there are no um, vehicles driving around, and the, the cities are pretty silent, there are no generators here and there, factories are closed down. Uh, while we know clearly we cannot run away from the impact um, it has on the economy, we also have seen how this has greatly improved um, the environment. I saw pictures of Mumbai where you, you, you live and they were comparing a picture from early March with a picture that was taken mid-April no smog i mean it was all clear i saw the same thing in the u.s um where they took a distant picture and it was showing the um, white house area and you could see how blue the sky was but it is temporarily because we're really hopeful that very soon we can get back to the world but what are the lessons that we should take for instance um possibilities of having to work from home how well can people work from home or companies would rather, rather send a vehicle to pick our essential staff and then drive them all the way to work and then all the way back. So lessons like carpooling, lessons like working from home, what are the practical lessons? How do you think uh, our lifestyle will change after COVID-19? COVID you really nailed it. Like we've seen in Mumbai here, we've seen blue skies in summer, which is not a very often sighting that we get. For, for days, we've just been having blue skies. I can hear birds all throughout the day um, it, it's amazing how nature has actually you know I mean if you can say it's it's thriving without us interfering with it without having that pollution without having our noise um, and the people out on the streets doing all sorts of things that they might want to um, and you know like like we're saying the earth is definitely taking this time to heal and to come back stronger and I think that's what we're doing as well as individuals. We have, and at least personally, I've realized that this life of running around one thing to another, one meeting to the next, one place to the other, um, you know, all of that can take a pause sometimes. And we can continue doing what we're doing, but right from our own homes. We don't necessarily need to fly for conferences. We don't necessarily need to go everywhere, or, you know, just because it, it's an event and there are things happening. We have realized how everything has moved digital. We realized how uh, people are doing this similar things that they're doing, but in a completely different situation. And uh, it, it's given us time to pause and to reflect and to think on what actions were necessary. How many things do we really need that we kept going after? The immense amount of greed that we had, our consumerism, capitalism that we had, 
is all now starting to realize uh, we're starting to re- to realize that all of that is now not required the you know people went out shopping for clothes shoes bags cars i mean you, you know you name it and you wanted a new new version of what you had and now all of that is useless because the only thing you need is your daily meal so we're realizing that what was actually important was what we were giving least amount of importance to how many times have we all skipped breakfast skipped lunch because we're too busy working mm. how many times have we um you know not, not said hello to our uh, parents or our grandparents or our uh, family members because we're just too busy working we don't have the time to pick up the phone and say hello and ask them how are you um and we're realizing that human relationships and essential services which are truly essential in nature that we see today were given the least amount of importance and i think this is what is the biggest learning that we have as human kind to really think what is essential what is not what is a need what is a greed and i think if we can start acting just based on our needs and not on our wants we're already going to make a big change not just for us as a human system but also for the resources that we consume also for the climate crisis in general and to see how much we actually we were um you know we we were manipulating the earth we were uh you misusing the earth to a to a large extent and we probably don't need as many resources we don't need as many new things um as we thought we did so you know it's giving us a time to think back on what actions we really need to do and what we don't and so i think that is the biggest learning that we should be taking back out of this crisis and also how we've gone on we've abused nature we've abused our wildlife we've abused our forests and these are our life giving systems our forests give us water they give us clean air they give us food and by by not respecting its boundaries by not giving it enough space to thrive and to survive we've had an overspill and we've had this uh, pandemic across the globe a virus which has come from an animal to come into humans which something which is not its natural host and this is only because we did not respect the nature and we did not respect our wildlife the way we should have so i think it's giving us a lot of lessons to learn and to think and i hope we we really do learn from this we think we think hard on what we need to do on how we've been living life not just individually but as a species as humanity because if we do want to survive and this is not just a survival of me or my kids but of the human race we really need to rethink the, the way that we've been functioning absolutely i am done you know I, i'm beginning to think you are from the descendants of very related to Mahatma Gandhi <laughs> it, it, i mean this is very very instructive the fact that covid-19 has given us time to pause and reflect um how the earth is taking time to heal and we should also do the same as individuals how we are also getting to recognize the very essential things as against the seemingly essential things this is really really amazing thank you so so much uh eta for your thoughts and um i'm really excited because um this has given me a, a broader understanding of how young people should cope with with the current situations it's also helped me understand the nexus between climate change and, and covid-19 more importantly the lessons that climate actors can take from the whole situation around covid-19 um around covid covid-19 
thank you so much for your time and your thoughts. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have questions for me? Thank you, Sheikh, for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I wanted to understand how is it like being a young person in Nigeria, being you know being on the front lines of the situation, but also trying to understand how how is it with other young people in your country? Have they understood the seriousness of the situation? Um, have they um, are young people making the connect between COVID and climate, or or is that still something that will need a lot of work to be done to? achieve that sort of one plus one situation well so i must thank you for that question Ita. i really appreciate so here in nigeria it's been um very interesting to see how young people are responding to the um climate um the, the covid crisis and as you would know probably as it is in other parts of the world young people are more of um they're on the front line maybe not in the hospitals but on the fields, having to provide um, care to sensitize people, to situate um, some structures like hand washing structures in public places. And it's also giving a lot more time for young people to now understand um, how climate crisis also affects them. And one thing I've been doing as a, a leader in my own right is to see how I can get more young people to be aware of platforms, webinars, um, websites where they can learn about climate change, where they can interact with climate leaders, where they can think around climate, practical climate actions they can take and um, spread that conversation. So that even after COVID, we come out and say, yes, I understand better that there is a crisis that has been before COVID and still exists even after COVID. I also understand clearly what my response should be, how I can get other people to act. So um, in my own way, I've been able to coordinate some of these processes. And interestingly, young people have shown um, um, real interest, real enthusiasm in, in, in being a part of this and learning and in seeing how they can make sure that even after COVID, we do not have a greater crisis at hand. So it's been um, pretty interesting to see the response of Nigerians, particularly. And um, I am hoping that we really can, we will not forget all of this knowledge and these lessons after COVID-19. Thank you, Shay. It, it's so great to know that, you know, young people are stepping up everywhere in their own ways um, to combat not just COVID-19, but also to combat the climate crisis. So thank you. And I'm so glad to be working alongside you for this. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Thank you again for your time, Ita. Uh, and I'm wishing you all the best. I hope you stay strong, you stay positive. Um, you and your family would also stay safe over there in India. Thank you so much. I wish you the same. Please take care. All right then. Cheers. doubt that was a very long conversation and I do not have any intention to make it longer. I just want to thank you Ita for being my guest on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast and to you for listening. We hope you can still think around the impact on climate change which has a long-term uh, projection on the way we do things and our lifestyle even after the pandemic. Thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. Remember to subscribe or check out the website www.climatetalkpodcast.com. Uh, feel free to follow and engage on, on Twitter, on social media platforms. Just use the hashtag climate talk. 
Feel free to follow the International Climate Change Development Initiative. It's uh, Climate Web on Twitter and uh, Media for Community Change Initiative. These are the two organizations that make it possible for me to bring new episodes of the Climate Talk podcast to you via this platform. Also remember to subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on IAT Radio. Every platform where you get your podcast from, you'll definitely find the Climate Talk podcast. If you need to reach out to me, my email is shei at climatetalkpodcast.com. That is S-E-Y-I at climatetalkpodcast.com. And I'll be glad to respond and um, share with you my thoughts or respond to questions that you may have. Thank you again. We've come to the end of this conversation of the Climate Talk podcast. Thank you again, Ita. Thanks to you for listening. Between now and when you get to listen to the next episode of the Climate Talk podcast, I hope you'll stay strong, you'll stay positive, and above all, I hope you'll stay safe for you and for your loved ones. Thank you.